Hi there, this is Tell Me About Your Elf. It's a show where I interview people and the characters they play in Dungeons & Dragons and other similar role-playing games. I'm your host, Cole Lasseter, and today's guest is Mike and Joe from the Proficient with Skulls podcast. Uh, so, so uh, y'all, tell me about y'all's elves. I'm having to go off a little bit off uh, uh, script here with the pluralism, but uh, so tell me about y'all's elves. Joe, you, you kind of lead my character in game, so you go ahead and go first. All right, perfect. I'm comfortable going first. So, um, so my elf is a dragonborn by the name of Lux Lucky Leets. Um, and man, I mean, do I tell you everything about Lux? How far do I go here, Cole? Um, you can go. Well, I mean, we'll figure it out, I guess. But it's like a normally it's like name, and then if there's anything that you leave out of like the little, like the five minute. I say five minute, but just like the snippets of uh, Lux, then I'll ask more in a bit. So you okay. said Dragonborn. Um, yeah. We got Lux, and and so we got name, uh, class, and I guess background. Yeah, so Lux is a uh, Dragonborn paladin of Alora. Alora is one of the major gods in... Uh, the kingdom of Alondor, and and really in the world of Telethala, which is um, where our DM has has created this world for us to play in. Um, so Alora would be, you know, the main the main god of good and light and all the happy things that uh, most paladins would be called to to serve under. And you know, Lux is pretty young. Um, he's he's in his early twenties, um, and. In the last uh, several months, he's new to the city of Highgard in Alondor, in the kingdom of Alondor, um, where he's been kind of escalated for his continued paladin training um, at a cathedral of Alora in the city, as well as, um, you know, his kind of, you know, that covers kind of his religious studies, and then, of course, covering kind of his knightly, soldierly, soldierly duties. Um, he's a member of a pretty well-recognized uh, segment of, of the guard um, called the uh, oh shoot now I need to remember it um, the Order of the Resplendent Sentinel. All right, yes. Yeah, so we got a paladin uh, in of Alora. Now, yep. Mike, uh, oh, what about your character? You said now. Now you did say uh, that uh, Joe leads your character around. We'll get into that a bit. Uh, you're also in a unique position where you're the first one of my guests who's had to, um, I mean, I don't know if this is spoilery, and if it is, I can cut that out, but you've had to change characters. Uh, is that correct? I, I sure have. I've got some of the worst dice luck ever in all of my characters, and it caught up to me finally. Um, so very early on, I, I changed characters and uh, started my uh, current character, my favorite character, my kobold druid named Burke. And uh, Burke is, he's very much a support character. He supports the party. He looks at the party as the heroes, and he's just the backup and the support there. Um, and he's part of a new booming settlement outside of one of the big cities in um, Telethala. Um, it's called the Chuggy Town. It's a group of kobolds who have kind of banded together, and they uh, are starting to make their way in the world. All right, so you said kobold of the Chuggy tribe? Chuggy tribe, yep. Okay, I was afraid of... Nice. Okay, so I have not heard of a player 
who plays as a kobold, which is traditionally mm-hmm. like a, you know, a uh, combative class, you know, somebody who you don't play as. So how does that happen? I, I mean, I'm kind of out of, out of, I'm kind of out of sorts. Like I'm, you caught me off guard. <laughs> well, it's a combination of in-game and out-of-game factors. Um, after I was, I always love playing short characters because in real life I'm, I'm ogre-sized. Um, <laughs> so I, I like playing a small, short character, like a halfling or a gnome um, or a dwarf. I think the tallest I've played is a dwarf, actually. So I believe I was, your first character was a dwarf, correct? Y- Yana? Absolutely. Yep, he sure was. Yana the dwarf. May he rest in peace um, in the halls of his ancestors. So That's I was talking soul. to uh, another one of our players, Oz. He um, was suggesting um, halflings and how I could play it as kind of a support class and almost as a cannon fodder type character. And our DM reminded me of a kobold tribe from one of our um, home games um, that we had, Joe included, created through the course of the game because we rescued a kobold from a big evil wizard and then taught the kobold animal husbandry and brewing and economics and supply and Mm -hmm. demand. And he created a town outside of a city. So since we're in the same world, I just took a citizen of that new town and turned him into my character. So my kobold is not the typical combative villainous race. He's not covetous of gold. His one goal in life is to bring honor to his tribe by supporting the much better and much more amazing heroes of Highguard. Yes. That is beautiful. Like, I I now see what you meant by, like, there's some questions, there's, like, some out of what is your current campaign knowledge Mm -hmm. that will apply to this, and that is amazing. (laughs) I (laughs) think... We have a lot of fun with it. It's a lot of fun. I think that the voices of any kobold we've role-played in this world, too, like Chucky's voice and and Burke's voice are, like, it's spot-on for, I think, what people would imagine kobolds being. Now, it's just perfect. Now, I am also going to have to ask, and it's only because we've we kind of did a little pre-prep before this episode and stuff like that, I heard that there is a character voice for this character, and now that we're talking about kobold voices and how they imagine, I might have to request a little piece off of that. Oh, of course, of course. Um, I warn you, it's it's grating and annoying, and after a couple <laughs> long sessions, I'm sure my party members hate it too. But um, so Burke kind of, if he was talking, um, goes something like this: Master Lux, so such great hero, Burke. Burke's just here to support Burke. Burke helpful and happy to be here. And that's, that's about what Good it, job, you Burke. deal with night after night. Yep. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I you. you. I see what you mean. I see what both of you mean. But <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> it's so perfect. So, all right. So I got it. So how did this come about? Like this subservience, like this support character, like, yes, you were uh, doing something on your tribe. It probably wasn't an episode, but of course, forgive me. I have not caught up. How did this, uh, uh, I want to say, use like a funny way to say like untimely friendship. But to be honest, I am not as well rehearsed as I normally am. So how did this friendship come to be? between you two i'll I'll take this one mike so um 
you know, it's not spoiling anything in the podcast. Pretty early on, you kind of get a sense that, you know, our core characters that have started the campaign. Uh, they're all, you know, they're kind of up and coming adventurers or, you know, maybe like possible heroes in the future. Who knows? But they're kind of in training. They're in their, they're kind of in colleges, mm-hmm. so to speak, of their respective disciplines, depending on their class. So, um, and being kind of elite of that group are recruited to form a team um and then i'd say i think shenanigans is probably just the word that leads to this team of very being very specific lots of rules going along with the team um there's supposed to be four people on the team and we can't get started without a fourth and we don't have a fourth for some reason um so uh burke is there as a delegate of sorts from the chuggy tribe that's trying to establish relationships with high card and uh he's kind of slotted in just so we can get going i would say it's pawned off on the group because i was annoying the person in charge of putting together these adventuring parties yep and this is <laughs> this is weird for lux and just about everybody I, you know I, I i think your first reaction cole about uh these aren't normally friendly player characters um that's kind of the reaction, I think, to probably Cobalt and Highguard at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, like, especially just from what I know about your party, so you, not only do y'all have a, a Dragonborn, of course, but you also have a Cobalt. I imagine y'all are a very uh, head-turning crowd at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Lux, Lux is a... Dragonborn are not common in the Kingdom of Elondor or in Highguard. They're not... You know, they're just rare, like, they kind of catch attention, but Lux is also a pretty unique-looking Dragonborn. And in Telethala, um, Dragonborn are mostly uh, kind of tribal uh, creatures, and then, you know, Dragonborns of kind of, like, all um, flights or colors or whatever you want to call it, um, they kind of form, like, moving tribes and caravans on the plains of Elondor. Um, And... A lot of them have like kind of unique characteristics depending on what flight they might be descended of. So like um, there are like bronze and copper may have claws and be good at digging. Um, like the blue dragon flights may have like webbed and be better at, at swimming. So Lux is pretty unique that he's a albino great white uh, dragonborn, and uh, even less common he actually has wings for his race. So. He's kind of strutting around in paladin armor with wings tucked up behind. Yeah, that does sound pretty unique. Like even then, like in the player's handbook, I'm sitting there like trying to remember, like, like yeah, this sounds pretty homebrew because I don't remember them having wings. So, yeah. So yep. does so do you incorporate the wings often in combat, or is this a uh, a decorative a um, flavor uh, flavor text, if you will? Yeah, they're functional as far as how we've homebrewed it, um, but they're not super functional for a paladin wearing heavier armor. So <laughs> I've, I've used them uh, flavor-wise a little bit in some of kind of our skill challenges, um, but it's more just something about a, a unique feature about Lux. It's not something that he you know, takes advantage of often. It's probably intimidating to say the least. Um, what druid circle is burke from if that is if that's actually if there is you know oh there is a he's a part of a druid circle it's um oh i can never remember the name of it. it's the uh, circle of dreams um oh so, nice 
Uh, my yeah. dude, Circle of Dreams. <laughs> oh, it's isn't it so much fun to play? It is. Like, oh, it's talking about saved bad us dice a couple rolls, times. Yeah, bad dice rolls like the um, Balm of the Summer Court. I mm-hmm. I have literally in, like in campaign and in character going. I'm about to forsake my druid teachings, like because this more yeah. like, like Balm of the Summer fart is what I would call it. Because like I would roll very <laughs> badly for it, but I like that 120 foot healing range. Mm-hmm. Uh, so does Lux. So does oh. Lux after. Oh, first. yeah. Lux <laughs> likes it a lot. So is Burke taking the position of, like, the healer of the party? Or is, uh, while um, Lux is, like, the, I, I say stereotypical paladin, I guess. I don't, I'm, my ne- my next character's a paladin, so I don't really know much, admittedly, about stereotypical. But I play a lot of druids, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I Yeah, Burke is very supportive. Yeah. Um, I think I think Mike even role played it a little bit already with his voice, um, and then uh, you know he kind of mentioned the the steering him around. So I think you know Lux sees some some and you know some dragonkin ancestry um, and just adorable supportiveness in Burke. So he's kind of taking him on his wing and. Uh, and you know, Lux is kind of the courageous protector of the leader of the group, anyway. So that's kind of fit perfectly into Burke um, supporting that, and and Lux has needed a lot of support while assuming that role so far. <laughs> and and Burke, while he'll support, he also is defensive. He he views the three other party members as huge heroes, and he's awestruck, um, almost like he's meeting celebrities. Um, so he, if he sees them get attacked, he will sometimes do the stupid strategic thing and jump into the middle of combat and try and fight people off tooth and nail, literally. Yes. (laughs) So does he use his wild shapes often? Not too often. Um, uh, not to get too spoilery for some things, but, um, usually when there's no other options, um, or if it's for more of a puzzle-solving type thing. Admittedly, that's how I played my druid as well. I like I went in like, oh, plant magic, awesome, and then I'm like looking, and I'm like, oh, this is a lot of, there's a lot of fauna in this, <laughs> huh? Mm-hmm. So I've only used it once, and it was like there was no other option. <laughs> like <laughs> exactly. <but I> the <laughs> first thing I usually write is like either flaw or bond or whatever is like will not wild shape just for hell of it like uh-uh <laughs> we, we've but, played with a couple druids like that and that as a, a dm for one of them i did not enjoy it because <laughs> it seems like usually i say usually but i've played with two separate druids who kind of do the what i think it's called onion druid where you just like wild shape bear get the shit kicked out of you and now you're back mm-hmm. to normal. Then, like, bonus action, bear! Like, and then you have to whittle the layers away yep. until they're, like, little baby again. Um, <laughs> so they're, uh, they are, you, you describe them as, like, champions. They are learning to be these, uh, these good, I would say, good characters in mm-hmm. general. Um, is this a decision? I mean, like, are they good for, I don't, saying good for a reason feels weird but like i'm trying to find a better way to say it um what decisions is there a decision inside like say if 
I look out for the small folk because I was picked on when I was a kid, and that is my decision to be good. Was there a similar thing in Lux? Is there a similar thing in Burke? Well, Burke, we've kind of addressed that he's trying to do his tribe proud. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. as far as Lux goes, usually a paladin is like, I am protecting X. Like, what is Lux's lust for life, I guess? Yeah, I think... You know, that's probably where I've, I've played a couple of paladins and I try not to be like, um, what do they call them? I think the powder keg of good or whatever they, you know, you've got your tin can yeah. paladin. Yeah, I do that a little bit <laughs> with Lux, but it's more of kind of like a fanboyish, like my moral code to annoy other people like Lux 100% believes in it. But <laughs> I, you know, I, I reference it all the time to be obnoxious, I think, to others. So me the me the player lux totally is into that but but his motivation half the character decisions i feel like we make anyway is just to annoy others like here's my chance to get away with it yeah yeah i mean that's what i have friends for is to annoy them while we play (laughs) games together so but um (laughs) but uh lux i think lux definitely has that motivation for being a paladin and and um you know, he's kind of got some history. I, I talked about kind of those tribal callings. Um, when Lux was a whelp, uh, you know, his tribe was kind of set upon by some evil forces that, um, you know, he was young enough, he doesn't remember all the gory details, but uh, he very nearly lost his own life and, and uh, really kind of cowered in, in, in uh, cowardice for a long time before being rescued by a great, uh, someone that has ascended to be a hero um, in the kingdom of Alondor, Lord Dalen Brightwater, a, a paladin of Alora in his own right. So mm. that was kind of his motivation, both being taken in and rescued by um, this paladin, and then, you know, seeing how courage kind of saved himself. Um, that's kind of been his calling in life, is to follow in those footsteps and, and try and return that favor. What inspired you to make Lux? Is there like a, uh, a like some folks take inspiration from? I personally will take characters from movies or games that I like, and I try to workshop them into it. Was there any particular, like, I don't know exactly how the party creation process happened before y'all's podcast, where y'all approached with like, okay, we need a X, make a X, or did y'all just like make characters and bring them to your DM? I'd say. And Mike, you can correct me if I'm wrong, since you had to do this twice. Um, <laughs> I think we, <laughs> you know, Jared was good. He just kind of, I think our only goal was, like, let's not do something, like, so wild, like, we can't make a podcast out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think from there, we just kind of decided, you know, we, we talked about what we wanted to do. And I I don't think anyone had to really adjust their plans, so... Um, and I th- I'm sorry, Cole, what was your, your other question about other than kind of the team creation process? To be honest, we got to roll it back. I forgot to. Uh, no, um, but okay. Did, like, did you, I think it was uh, like, did you get inspiration from movies, characters, TV, anything like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So, right. <laughs> yes. So motivations for creating Lux. Um, I wouldn't say, so something's kind of, played into my vision like i just love paladins like 
whether it's video games or D&D or whatever, I kind of like the tanky, defending, um, that kind of role, number one, like kind of that mix of spellcasting, but also like defending everything. So, and I, and I had experience playing a paladin and, and in D&D and I, I wanted to play it again. So that was my motivation for class. Um, I think kind of my vision, I don't know, Cole, are you a World of Warcraft person at all? I haven't played it mainly because I knew I was going to hyperfixate, but (laughs) I am not opposed to it. Yeah. So I, um, I kind of had a vision for, I knew I wanted to be a Palin. I had a vision for wanting to be, um, kind of create some, like at least hints in my backstory to work for Jared to work with about maybe some, um, calling or destiny to the good or light side, um and then some opposites of that perhaps in my past as well so i wanted to like have that dynamic in my background for character development in the future and then uh i love paladins in world of warcraft and in particular again very specific to world of warcraft there's a i got started in burning crusade which was the first expansion and there's some really cool like armor tier sets from early on tier four for wow nerd heads out there um and it's kind of like you know i like being that heavy armored character and this is kind of like purple like lavender goldish plate armor and i just kind of had like that vision for like what i wanted my character to look like someday and then i wrote like the backstory that would make sense and be compelling for for a paladin with kind of that look when they're like level 20 and, and totally decked out absolutely like i've like imagining like step three and then having to reel it back is a very good, I feel like a very helpful character creation method. If you don't really know where step one is, like you imagine what you want to be now, how did they get there? Kind of the record scratch. Yeah, that's me now. Yeah. How did I get into this mess? Now yeah. we know your we know your base level inspiration of making Burke, but was a druid your which being Giannis, of course, unfortunate passing. <laughs> but um, so do you prefer spellcasting classes? Do you prefer uh, you know? I, I guess same question. Yeah. Um. I've played a I've played a barbarian. I've played a um a melee um. Uh, melee, oh man, ranger. I played all over the place, a couple different wizards. So I don't have a preference for spellcasting versus not. Burke, it was kind of class came secondary. I, w- I talked about creating a short character who was kind of supportive, and with the Chuggy Tribe idea to bring that in, I'm trying to think, well, how could I, why would one of these guys be able to ha- hold his own with the party? And came up with the idea of, you know, they made alcoholic beverages out of different fruits that they learned how to do that what if that went wrong and somebody there that's the creation of the power i kind of looked at warlock at first like um if burke was dying and he was offered a pact to bring him back and that gave him some powers so now he's an emissary for chuggy tribe um but then it was right around the time that xanathar's guide came out and that's where the um uh circle of dreams was Mm -hmm. so i looked at that and made a lot more sense to kind of go with a i'm a disciple of somebody who's fallen into an alcoholic coma and that's where my powers have come from (laughs) so uh, um oh god class was definitely second to story for my character 
Okay, yeah, so that's definitely, it's, I love, what something I just love, I mean, like, I think what most of us do love about, really, we're given a book, maybe a few, you know, and, and, and if you're particularly generous, maybe a lot, maybe all of them, <laughs> not all of us do, but yep. we have dreams, we got to keep them Christmas lists open for something, and, oh, yeah. and there's so many different interpretations of how we go, because, like, again, Druid Circle of Dreams, and I, like, opposite direction like and and i just got to sit back and I'm like damn this is cool this is a fun game isn't it <laughs> oh yeah it, so many uh, options and it yeah. works so many different ways you can each of us could create our own type of warlock and we come up with 50 different backstories that's yep. that's the best part about it it's not cramming into one and i think we've been lucky where our characters have meshed together well even though we didn't create them to be that way yeah, I think um, I you know I'll just kind of chime in on druids. I I really like druids, and I think that you know there's so much you can do with having the option to be a beast, whether you use that in combat or not. Or I th I think their 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 magic just feels very unique and something you can flavor in a totally different way than some of the magic of other classes. Ex like yes, like I try like it's it's to the point that my girlfriend's like make somebody who isn't a druid like because <laughs> it's like you can be a summoner you can be like the the, the wild man you can be like an L you could be the avatar like i mean obviously like the spellbending monk is more i guess flavor suited for that but like you could literally like i am now shooting water at you and also fire i i don't care like and <laughs> and there's so much cool stuff you can do with it and like i tend to go towards the plant side of the magic i like slinging vines and like talking to plants and making shit grow and it's that's and that's all just in druid and mm -hmm. it's been tough for me even paladins if you're a paladin of the old ones you're kind of just like a druid with a big ass sword <laughs> right so yeah like it's it's there's a lot of fun flavor that comes with it um so y'all have a lot of like experience making different characters um so y'all are pretty high fantasy then like you have this entire planes and regions and like kingdoms and stuff like i am i am very a low fantasy type guy so i'm very impressed uh with i guess since this is y'all's homebrew world that <laughs> is there like a bible like is there like a book that y'all have like that the homebrew i know it's not specifically yours but it sounds like y'all have been in it for a while what can y'all tell me about uh y'all's homebrew world yeah mike you want to take lead on this one sure um well our dm joe and i are fairly new to dnd we've been playing for what three yeah. maybe four years now mm -hmm. yep. um and our dm has been playing for decades um and he's been creating this homebrew world this entire time he's had small little adventures that he's run some of them like Joe and I played one years ago and it lasted three or four sessions and it was over, but all of the locations carry over. So it's been created over a long period of time and Jared's putting together a source book for it that has all these different continents and all these different planes of existence and all these different gods and goddesses. And it's, it's very in depth. And because we are part of developing it, like the Chuggy tribe, I'd say is both Joe and I's creation. And, mm -hmm. um, Joe is writing a lot of the backstory for the different types of dragonborn. That's why he could spit out that knowledge pretty easily. <laughs> um, it's it's really feeling like it's our world and our group that's putting it in. So it's it may seem high fantasy, but really all it is is a labor of love and something that we're 
developing over time rather than sitting out and spending seven hours a day trying to figure out, okay, in this city, what would be the percentage of dwarves and percentage of humans? No, it's just yeah. how does it fit into the story we're trying to tell? Yeah, I think the the cool thing that Jared does really well is, I don't know how he does it because, like Mike said, we've, we've been in several campaigns set in this mm-hmm. world, sometimes in places we've been before, sometimes we haven't. So he does a really good job of, like, creating a shell that's unique to like D&D. This is a world we know. I can't speak for Mike, but I've actually I've almost played D&D exclusively in Jared's world. So like I yes. don't know like the cliché places in in Neverwinter. That when I go back to that, you know, the character stuff is all cool, but it seems it seems really weird being in that world because I don't feel like I get to like know the world and also contribute to it. Jared does a really cool job of creating that perfect balance of a shell that doesn't feel empty, but it's there's enough there that like we all contribute to filling it. And that's whether it's like what Mike's talking about, where we're actually literally helping like create some of the content and and that comes up later, or when we're live playing it and Jared creates a space, but the players have an opportunity to kind of fill in that spaces and there's ridiculous things that have come up from that like the chubby chucky tribe is one of them um i play a druid in a different campaign in the same world that mike's actually running now and uh something stupid that just came up somebody asked about like my people as as furbogs and furbog druids like and i'm like oh yeah we sleep in tree peas they're upside down teepees <laughs> in a tree i'm like so tree peas are a thing in the world that like my furball clan lives in. No, one hundred percent canon. Yes. I just i I didn't think that y'all needed to hear the laughter, but oh, it's. <laughs> I just figured like we I didn't want it. y'all to sit there and think I'm just sitting here silently, just dead staring <laughs> back because there's no way in hell I was gonna straight face that. Yeah, that's so good. Oh man, no, that's a beautiful like that's the um collaborative storytelling that I feel like folks try to achieve. Like I say try because sometimes like uh, unfortunately it can be either DM heavy or player heavy depending mm-hmm. on how like little or how little hands on the leash you have or, you know, vice versa. Um so while I'm saying yeah, exactly how it's high fantasy, it's actually just Sounds like it's like been a very long project that's just been very well kept up with. Like, <laughs> to yeah. say the absolute least, it's very impressive. Like, I'm sitting here like as you are saying, like, you know, as soon as you said decades, like thousand yard stare, just like, oh my god, <laughs> like. And I may I may be overselling it a little bit there. He's not that old. <laughs> he is. De- he has been dedicated to his craft for. You know, he had this concept of creating this world. I think you know, even before we met it and, mm-hmm. and, uh, Mike and I, and, and Oz from one of your other episodes, we just happened to connect with him and be dedicated enough that we've really been able to, I think, help develop and flesh it out and, and, and get far enough in a campaign that you can, you know, do something new and, and add repeatedly. So I think that's another kind of beautiful thing. Cause again, it's, it's like the game is what you make it. And it attracts different people for different different reasons. Like mm-hmm. the world building here is solid. Like, like I'm still using like world building is something I 
suffer from not really suffer i just borrow a lot of things i'm not like like how you say like neverwinter feels unfamiliar mm-hmm. i didn't know i i i mean i still say i don't know jack all about the sword coast other than like lost minds of fandelver mm-hmm. yeah. full stop um like when i made my first character i'm like oh he's from downtown neverwinter because it was the only city i knew of so i figured i'm picturing literally the bronx like mm-hmm. Brook and mortar, or a brick and mortar, downtown, whatever, and then it's like, oh yeah, it's this, it's this kind of like somebody who knew was like, oh, it's this kind of town. I was like, oh crap, like that's not anything what I was picturing. Like they're like they showed me a map and it was like, all right, so where's the downtown region? And I was like, uh, I don't know, like, and it's that's it comes from using pre-mades. They help those who need it, mm-hmm. but those who are so passionate about their world and their region and the people that they populate with them, bringing it to you guys. Like, I mean, clearly I'm more of a character guy. <laughs> so yeah. like, like I, I just like, I'm very, I guess boots on the ground in this sense, very literally. <laughs> um, but it's very impressive to see other people's work kind of appearing in the grasses greener in their uh, campaign. Um, yeah. So it's, it's hard too because like if you're a new player and you don't have someone that kind of guides you that way like i don't know that people i don't know if everybody would get that experience i can't you know i haven't had a chance to play with a whole lot of others but i can just speak from our own experience like we didn't have that at first it took probably a year year and a half to really fall in that rhythm and i think mike and i were probably the first players with jared that kind of got that comfortable to a place where we could start something new and get there quickly but then then you know it kind of it perpetuates it perpetuates it in a good way that you're able to once you've got a couple people that are kind of modeling it for you and the, and then everyone gets to see how much fun it is when you kind of get into that mindset like that's what's really cool and the other thing i love that jared does i mentioned earlier when i created my backstory like i i wanted there to be some dynamics there for lux to work with but I didn't necessarily want to say what they were or how they would play into the world. So the other thing that Jared does that's really cool, and we haven't really had a chance. I'm sure it's coming, but like we haven't seen it yet in, in our game a whole lot, is he really like facilitates that character development. And it's not always just a story. Like Sometimes like it's things that there are choices, but it changes your character, like you know there are powers and things like that and they're both like it becomes a part of your character and you get to grow it the way you want to but it's also like necessary to utilize to an extent in uh in the campaign and in the world to be to keep moving things and and sometimes to survive so yeah like it makes it into a very natural character development instead of in and like you were saying with coming up with these variables that like will be addressed at some point and i think it all like i love the will be addressed at some point because i it almost feels like a physical folder somewhere that everybody's character it's like it's your permanent record when you're growing up like it that's where everybody's stuff is and then your dm (laughs) will eventually get to it because that's that's one of the best parts or i feel is one of the best parts again i may be biased of making characters and making what helps with world building is you kind of got to give your DM a bone. It does not sound like Jaredy the bone. He's no. got the rest <laughs> of the skeleton already made. But when it comes down to it, like especially if with newer DMs or people using um, 
prefabs or anything like that, you also you don't just want to make a character. You want to give some context, like uh, with a campaign that I am, I call it I call it moonlighting because I am a DM for like my fam like my specifically my family. Okay. So I'm playing as a character in other ones, and it's keeping me grounded, and uh, let me remember that you know I am also mortal, and uh, <laughs> it's bringing in joy of making characters that. Um, I don't see from the top down, but rather at the bottom. I'm the character again. I'm not the creator who knows what this character's job is or, or, or like what their uh, hopes and dreams are and also their family. So like everybody else who's in this party is like, yeah, I just made a ranger or something like that. Just like, and I'm <laughs> right. sitting there going like, I'm, I'm scrolling through six pages of, I have her story. It's, this is the paladin I was mentioning earlier. I have, I have her and now, but I want to homebrew like a religion and I kind of want it to be like Mad Max. So now I have to invent Ooh. her family Ooh. and now I have to invent cars in someone else's world to where they're <laughs> not OP enough to where everybody's using them. And yeah. it's been a very fun like stream of consciousness going, okay, well this doesn't make sense. Now, if she likes her home and her family, why isn't she there? And it's giving the DM stuff to work with and at the very least, you just give them a town. Like, like, uh, I almost want to keep saying Tuggy Tribe, and I know that's not it. It's Chuggy, <laughs> it's Chuggy Tribe. Chuggy. But it's, but it's like you have this separate tribe of folks that is purely circumstantial to something you did ages ago. And oh, yeah. Just, and then you're like, oh, yeah, I need a new character. Um, you. Like, and and <laughs> yeah. like all of a sudden, the light shines down upon Burke. In like sentience, he, he yeah. it just <gasps> like wakes up and <laughs> he's alive. He's alive. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the beauty of D and D, though, is because and and I think kind of working in a world where you give yourself license to create things, because like Chuggy was a made up name for a kobold in a cave with an evil wizard, an evil creature, a kobold. Probably like, totally a throwaway something... name at that moment. Like, completely yeah, absolutely. supposed to be a forgettable guy. We were expected to kill him when we first met him. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and it just For happened some... to not. One of the few moments we decided not to be murder hobos, we chose to talk to an evil creature named Chuggy, a kobold. We spared him, freed him from an evil big wizard, and <laughs> now he cohabitates with the kobold clan, you know, near a major city on a lawn door. Uh, my family did something similar. Like, I have y'all done Lost Minds of Fandelor? I know y'all tend to stay in yeah, Telthala. A little bit, yeah. There is a yeah. We uh, okay. We ran it. Mike killed a character in there. I think his own. <laughs> yes, it did. Oh no. Yep. I, I killed. I killed one of Jared's characters. So turn around. Turn about. Oh, fair play that's that. right. Uh, turn yeah. about <laughs> fair play. <laughs> so at some yeah. point, there's a doppelganger that you address, like in some mm -hmm. castle, and only one of my party party members knew about it. Um, and I was planning on this to be like a fun fight where they're trying to save someone who looks like them, or they're trying to save someone that the doppelganger knows about, but the doppelganger, it looks like them. So they're, and I tried to make it, the accent was very clear that this was the fake one or something like that. And I, and I expected <laughs> this to be a boss battle of some, of some form where they are like, get lost in the woods. And he's like, all right, here we go. But no, they just sat there and just like got lost on their own. And then eventually I was like, all right, I got to aggro this guy. And he transforms, and I'm like, let's fight. Like, 
and and then they grapple. They do nothing but nobody talked about it. They did all non-lethal damage, and like he would get up and like start to swing, and then they they'd leg sweep him again, and and he keep <laughs> eating it over and over, and eventually like pissed him off so much, and finally got it like. Who do you work for? The, the Black Spider, but I've never seen him. Whatever. And they're, like, still holding him down, like, say, uncle, tap out. Like, just, <laughs> I'm running a party of three spellcasters. What are you doing? Like, how are y'all doing this? <laughs> and, and eventually they're like, lead us to him. And I had forgotten that the doppelganger will not do that. But, oh, well, they now have a friend who's a doppelganger. Like, and it's just mm-hmm. this kind of this throwaway character that for some reason, it, for some reason, the party without talking about it just decides everybody simultaneously this guy's gonna live yeah yeah that's the best part when i think um you know it's 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 always good as a player to throw your dm for a loop which i think is just always possible so that's always great but like i i love it when uh some of my favorite moments in D is just falling in love with an npc that the DM, DM never wanted you to fall in love with, mm-hmm. and that person's like the character that everyone's excited to see and interact with. Absolutely. <laughs> never the NPC you think it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote this immersive backstory for this person that's you know they're going to run into, that's going to follow them around, maybe for years, who knows, become part of the party. They walk right par- past that person, and they become friends with like the stable boy. Like, <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Wrote for the wrong guy. Now, yep. y'all have played as these characters for a while, or maybe you've played in this world for a while, you've played as these characters for an indeterminate amount of time. That may have been said to me, but of course, <laughs> it's, whoosh, that's gone. But now, yeah. I know for the most part, y'all's campaign has been recorded, but what are y'all's favorite moments? Either the most Lux moment, the most Burke moment, like what's the most on-brand moment that you guys have had that's really made like, Ah, yes. Like, if there was any doubt in your mind about playing this character beforehand, that was just like, no, this is right. This is, like, (laughs) Alora is telling me I need to play this character. Yeah. I think, uh, you mind if I go first, Mike? Go right ahead. Man, there's a couple of moments. Um, I think the the first one I'm the most comfortable talking about without any big spoilers is I, I referenced that kind of special group we all become a member of. The step one is you have to have four members. Step two, there's it's very bureaucratic. Lux <laughs> loves that. He loves rules. Um, and it's also just a Joe thing, but I like to make that part of Lux, especially because my wife hates that I like to be that much of a rule follower. So so that's just, like, fun, <laughs> both player and, like, uh, character interaction. Um, so like he he's in it like he's in the mode as soon as like he starts getting the long list of rules of this group and everything you have to do and then each person has to assume a role and essentially to some extent we don't know how yet but we'll be graded on how well we perform on this role and one of the roles is i think uh was is it arbitrator mike is that right it is yes so it's basically like be the leader be the decision maker um and like Lux just like jumps on that. I think Soul like fights him for for a moment and before Lux like wins it out. <laughs> and I'd say probably within a minute or two of it, uh, Lux is owning that role. And Jared's like, "This is everything I wanted to be when I created roles for you guys to decide which of you you would be." <laughs> yeah, I can imagine the uh, just what I know of the two of you so far uh, in character, of course. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> just the shoulder to the shoulder, like, no, no, me, no, me, like. Yep. <laughs> it worked what out about pretty work? well. Uh, first, I think it was the second uh, session where I played Burke. Um, some shenanigans happened on a boat, and we don't have a way to row to shore. And without consulting the party, Burke just volunteers to dive headfirst into the water. <laughs> without even getting somebody else to hold the other end of the rope that he's diving in with um, to try and save the entire party and swim ashore. And just so happens the roles were with us, and it looked like an extremely heroic thing, but yeah. it was just a stupid decision to make because it seemed like it would help the party out. Yep. That impulsive, that's, I'm going to do something to help. Exactly. <laughs> this I think looks the, like it's going to help. I'm going to do it no matter what. Yep. I think the other thing that's pretty cool is... Um, you know, while Lux is a little bit weirded out by by Burke at first as a kobold, like I think, you know, part of the reason we wanted to do this together is I I think Mike and I have a pretty special bond with our characters. Um, you know, Burke is very much like that supportive, and he's not attention seeking, but like the way he's supportive, like you just have to validate the way he's being supportive because he's just a little kobold and he's not very self confident a lot of times. Um, and there's a moment uh, on a kind of our first adventure where Lux ad adopts him as his squire and like uh, kind of uh, more than once in a very Lux fashion, like brings this up and like re-squires him in like three different ways, uh, just kind of like cementing that bond. And I think that's that's a really cool moment for me. I don't know how Burke feels about that. So How does Burke feel oh, about that? I, it's always fun. It's the proudest moment of his life and that includes when his three kids were born oh <laughs> uh, so burke's a happy father huh yeah yeah i don't know if um, we know that about burke yet it's been mentioned a couple times <laughs> but it, not explored that's not that important no not a, not important at all not nowhere near as important as the heroes of Hyde yeah i was about to say it doesn't right. sound terribly important to burke either if these th this crowd's like <laughs> bread and butter and such now you're also you this is uh you're one of the first members that i've had that plays with i'm to be reductive their significant other in the party uh, of course this being your wife sure. do your does this uh impact your characters uh like for instance like me and my girlfriend for our characters we just we didn't really plan on it but we we're eventually like nah they got a crush on each other whatever like screw it we're all having fun here is that something uh -huh. that comes up in your between your characters or anything like that, or is it like quite the opposite? Yeah, I'd say it's the opposite. <laughs> um, Absolutely. One, I guess, one really funny part is like I don't know how this isn't the first time Winter has played with us in a campaign, but Jared's always our DM, and he always finds a way to like make NPCs flirt with my wife. So like. So that's like happened multiple times. So, so that's always fun for me to sit back and watch Jared flirt with my wife. Um, and then uh, other than that, like, I think our character play styles are, are very different. And if anything more lead to like banter and bickering, that's like the part of our relationship that comes out while we role play together. Um, not often like the, the love interest romantic, story i don't think we've seen that come out in any way really so far one of the first campaigns i ran i was in with joe and winter um it was winter's like second time playing D D, <laughs> and 
she goes to Joe, honey, why didn't you help me out in that fight? I'm your wife. And Joe turns to her and says, you're not my wife in the game, and I'm not going to help you out. <laughs> and, and it was the perfect, that's carried over to this campaign a hundredfold. I love it. I didn't even remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that was kind of, I was, it was our first time, or specifically mine, uh, our girlfriend had played before like Pathfinder and stuff like that. So I mainly was just kind of like tagging along with, I was playing a support character. I was playing a healer druid. So I was like following around everybody. <laughs> uh, and like, that was just kind of the, she was a melee ranger and the, essentially the DPS accidental tank of our group. So I was just like following her around. So it just became a like, man, why is he following me around so much? And like, he's got a little crush, I guess. Like whatever. Aww. I don't know. Like other than that, I have no reason to like, I don't have a <laughs> in canon reason. We just met. But whatever. Yeah. He's got a thing for the dwarf ladies, I guess. I don't know. But, like, <laughs> um, but no, that's it's. I feel like that is how it happens if you play with significant other, wife, partner, etc. It's like it's either one or two things. I have, I have not heard of any other option yet. Yep. So I'm very, I'm. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd say uh, the one other game we play, I, I play um, a druid. And, you know, I have an affinity for animals and, and, uh, winter plays a ranger, um, a re the revised ranger actually, who like has a beast companion. Um, and she totally like neglects and forgets about this animal all the time. So I'd say like the most love interest or like attraction or sympathy any of my characters have felt towards her character is like mostly like pity for how she takes care of her wolf and neglects it like like literally i think um we probably went like eight sessions without her even like looking hard for the material that she needed to like revive her beast companion in the soul oh, and the no. one time she did do it like my my druid like helped helped bring it back and probably did like as much of the work like in in that ritual it's about as close as we've gotten to love is me loving her her dog, which, you know, if I'm being Perfect honest, is basically the foundation of our real life relationship. Dog. So, <laughs> there's something beautiful about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, just one of my previous druid guests, um, my sister, she she has a dog companion and i can't go 20 seconds without hearing what about what what's bella doing because like she's just <laughs> so much and like bless her for it she's very similar in real life just like i want a dog and i want a cat and i want a peacock and i want and and she is playing pokemon with her druid essentially just wanting to collect everything and this child <laughs> that's awesome this child has not played pokemon once in her life and i'm sitting there going you'd like it and she's like nah i'm like what what like that's what you're doing <laughs> you just don't know. missing you're out missing out man. that's so cool so like just like it's funny to hear like oh i'm playing a class that has an animal companion nah yep like, <laughs> yeah it's so funny too, because she. Well, I mean, I think I think you may end up interviewing her as well, but like, she loves animals in real life. Like, and she she you know, she's one of those people who just like loves like cute things, and she always wants to see the animals. So it's so weird to me that she just totally forgets about caring about them. And in D and D, I'm like, that's like your normal tendency, and like you're not forgetting about them on purpose. I don't think so. Who yeah, like, I don't know if it's just like a the theater of the mind is like maybe it's not there or maybe it's she's not imagining it fluffy enough. I don't know. Like the, the right. can't cuddles <laughs> it. It's not real. Yeah, like <laughs> uh, the first thing that 
um, Wisteria did, the character I was referring to, was like, all right, we made it to Fandolin. I go to the store and buy a dog collar because she's mine. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you want to buy some dog food too for the month? Like, I'll figure that out. How much is dog food? <laughs> I don't know. Like, that was them catching me off guard for that session. But, Love oh, it. man, I, I didn't get to play this week. So I'm sitting there like, man, d and so much fun. <laughs> That's, yeah, I mean, so true. It's self-serving to uh, talk about the show or talk about it in your own show, I guess. But I c- just can't yeah. help it, man. Well, no, you're it's you're right. you're it's um, the best to hear it. Yeah, you're giving Mike and I that fix this week because uh, we yes. don't have a session. So this is our nerdum. Stupid Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> the one time I can dress up as my character with no context or anything like that. I, I mean, the right. only thing I was doing at Party City was going around like, I wonder what my guy's hair looks like. I do know what it looks like, but does this <laughs> will this prince wig work? I don't know. Like, <laughs> but um, so is there? I'm. I guess we can go ahead and start moving towards the. Um, I wish I had a more natural way to do this because I do this the same way in every single episode. I'm gonna keep it in. Is but like we're gonna wind it down here real quick. We're having fun here, but no. Um, sure. So like, is there any like? Mm, I always give it such a vague description, but I'm kind of reopening the floor of either, like, what is it about your character? Is there any parting thoughts about your character? Is there anything that you're looking forward to for your character? We already kind of talked about your, I guess, your vision of what Lux might be at level 20, of course. Um, Mm -hmm. Actually, we're not going to talk about the coming down part. What does Burke look like at level 20? Ooh. Man, that's that's actually something I the, I the haven't same, put a lot but of just thought shredded. into. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really Burke was meant to be kind of cannon fodder, and I fully expected him to die based on how I rolled his stats and how suboptimized he is. And but I love playing him, and now I'll be really devastated if anything happens to him. But because of that, I, I'm not looking forward to tomorrow. Like I've for my for Yoneth, I almost purchased a custom miniature for him and then he died <laughs> oh no yep. <laughs> yep um my past two custom miniatures dead so i'm i'm nervous about getting too connected so i haven't thought too far down the line but based on how he plays and who burke is i'd, I'd picture him still he could have saved a thousand orphans from a ancient dragon all on his own but nope it wasn't him who did it it was the the ranger who stood over there kind of hidden in the background because he's the person who's supposed to be the hero that's beautiful i think like it's i mean obviously burke needs some credit we need to give burke some credit <laughs> but that's just not who he is no nope. man the eternal support character yeah <laughs> shame <laughs> but no that's I I understand the unwillingness, or not really unwillingness, but the apprehension of just like, yeah. I don't want to get too attached, man. Like, I've literally, like, <laughs> my original character, I'm playing version two of him right now. Like, he just now has, like, a large gash on his chest and now, like, has a, a lung condition. So, yeah, his roles are a little bit worse as far as constitution goes because he died mm-hmm. in that first campaign. So, so like, well, it was like a TPK, but it was, it was supposed to be just everybody blacks out, but it turned out that like, oops, basically he just got Frieza, like uh, a planet Namek, (laughs) Frieza, Krillin, like 
instant transmission behind him, arm through chest style, just like very dramatic, like, oh, shit, he's dead. Like 52 damage in one hit, and boy, howdy, I had 30. And at that point, I was at 11, actually. So it was not good. There's no coming back from that. Absolutely not. But when you're the DM, <laughs> mm-hmm. he now has robot parts and or like, he's a <laughs> druid with robot parts. Let's not look too deep into that. But uh, <laughs> They're non-metallic robot exactly. parts. It's, it's okay. A con- it's, it's a right. construct. It's soul wood, whatever. Like, yeah, like, yeah. like now he is a artificer druid in a separate campaign. And like, yeah, his constitution rolls are lower because I've, I am playing him as the same guy. But because he's died, he's woken up in a different reality or something like like it's backstory in someone Love else's it. backstory. Um, because cool. I had the custom miniature and I wasn't gonna let him go. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm just stubborn. But now we'll go into the wind down part. <laughs> the okay. very natural conversational feeling of the wind down part, of course. Yes. But, um, yeah. The I feel so natural. The, the um the jazzy NPR outro part. Um, <laughs> So, we've talked about your highs. What are maybe the lows of your characters? Oof. As in, like, is there anything that... I feel this is a strange... Uh, this this question probably... A lot of my questions are for people who are currently living and have made their character decisions on purpose. So, like, obviously we have an idea on what might have happened with the Yoneth, but, like, with the dice rolls and stuff like that, is there anything that, like... Was there a dark moment in the campaign where maybe they did something that was against their original creed or like made a very tough decision that they had to make or anything like such? Like, say, if Burke, for some reason, had to betray the heroes of Highgard or something. Mm. I mean, I don't imagine that, but like, what if? Yeah, I think so. You know, the situation that led up to Yana's passing. We didn't know each other real long. Like you'll get to that quick in in the in the campaign. I'd say probably right after that is where um, we feel like there's a really strong turning point uh, and just an entertainment value in the campaign. But yes, um, you know that was just a set of bad circumstances. I don't think any I don't think any of our characters really harbor guilt about like oh shoot there's something we could have done. There is like some fuzziness about what happened. And we kind of go on and meet Burke and take our first mission with, I'd say, s- some baggage to unpack about what happened to Yonath or, or what do we do with that. And who knows, that might be something more that develops in the campaign. So I'd say that's just kind of like some weirdness for the three of us that survived that encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say outside of that, just for Lux, like his low point like stems way back to like his childhood and like, yo that mystery of like what happened to his family like why that happened what kind of evil was that does that mean something more in his life and i don't know that that's like something that's really on lux's mind every day he's kind of very focused on like the i want to be courageous and the, and the savior of people so um but I, I imagine that's something that's going to come back up and and require some some unpacking for lux in the future yeah i feel like uh in certain series or like for instance i don't know if y'all watch a whole lot of anime but i just recently just watched the what four episodes of goblin slayer that are out and it's essentially just an rpg anime whatever 
But it's like they have these parties, and then if somebody dies, well, that's a shame. You just get a new party member and go. But, like, we don't really think about too much. Like, maybe y'all have with this baggage and such, but, like, your characters probably miss them. Like, yeah. that person was real to them. It may have been a character for us, mm-hmm. but that that person was real. And, and even if you just yeah. met them, if I just met somebody at the Starbucks down the street, and then they died two days later, and I knew that, yeah, I didn't even hang out with them, and that's still pretty messed up. Like, it's man, I don't, I don't know where yeah. I don't know yeah. where my point was going, but man, <laughs> that means pretty fucked up. I, like, got dark. <laughs> I'd say you know Lux doesn't let stuff like that go too easily. So like, it, it's some weird circumstances, and it's been quick, and there hasn't been a lot of time since then. And I'd say like that's pretty hot on Lux's memory right now, and like what's you know that's. Uh, I think he has a hard time just uh, leaving that out there, especially like as a paladin, like and some a protector of people. Like, you know, somebody died, and he doesn't really fully understand how or why, and didn't fully recall it at first either. So I think that's going to be something that Lux at least goes after some answers for that. Um, Soul and and uh, um, Oz are a little harder to to read <laughs> i don't know if they're taking it as hard it, i but lux is you know he's raised some questions and said like are we really going on without figuring out what happened here uh, especially like since yeah you're saying like paladin someone passed under your watch you are courageous you're supposed to save people and albeit like you're trying to save like i don't know the aforementioned you know thousand orphans but like also at the same time you got some people around you too um now you're saying that the situation's kind of fuzzy. Is it fuzzy for like the characters or is it fuzzy for also the players? Like if I ask does do any of y'all think it's someone in the party's fault that Yanneth died? Is that spoilery or is that just something that's not really known known or and or addressed? Yeah, I don't think it's spoiler spoiler spoilery yeah. at all. Um, no, we just don't know. I mean, it, it's some weird circumstances and the way it happens and the way like our characters kind of, um, come to a realization of what happened. Like there's, there's a lot of fogginess there and we don't know anymore as, as people playing these characters about like what happened yet. And it, it really was a, a freak almost accident. And you're right. It's not really as is foreign as somebody you just met at the Starbucks who died, but these folks didn't, they weren't like classmates. They just kind of were, oh, I knew him from the bar. He was the local guy that I'd seen down there. Mm-hmm. And it's, with the fuzzy part, it's because of the magic that was involved and everything that mm-hmm. happened. There's very little recole- recollection of extreme details, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure we, in like the second or third session, we figured out that there nobody really felt a lot of guilt. Like, oh man, if I would have done blank everything would have been fine it's more of a wow that's almost like you see a car accident and there's nothing you could have done about it It just feels odd that you saw that and experienced that yeah i mean everybody got their ass whooped most of Mm -hmm. us almost died one of us did like and we don't remember all the gory details of of what happened so far or or what it means for the future yeah so as the player like you were mentioning how you're about to invest in the, like the uh, the miniature and stuff like that. How yeah. did you initial hand? How did you initially handle Giannis passing? Like, 
again, it's just a character, <laughs> but at the same time, I was pissed when my character was taken, like took that amount of damage. And also I did know whose fault it was. So like, I was about to <laughs> kill that guy. I R L like, but so like, how did you handle this? That like, since you since y'all have played y'all have y'all, like y'all y'all say that y'all are new with three years experience y'all have a lot more experience than I do, as far as like choosing different characters and stuff like that. How did mm-hmm. you take it? Uh, sadly, it's not my first character to have. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I mean, I think this is what Joe, my third. I don't know. Um, it seems like Mike's always the guy that whose character dies. So it's bad. Um, and the Sean Bean so of at first campaigns. Exactly. It was it was a little bit of shock because it was a series of three or four rolls in a row that I didn't hit above a five. Um, so it felt like, okay, this is fate. I was not meant to play this character. And the death of a character, while it's upsetting, it wasn't a character I'd been playing from level one to level 15 or something like that. He was fairly new. And it almost was a bit of excitement like okay i get to see about a new character we can see where this goes um so i'd say a mix of excitement and disappointment and shock initially but i mean we were playing till almost 11 p.m that night and i was up to 1 a.m figuring out character concepts trying to get my mind off of dead character <laughs> now onto new character yeah so. like i i was so mad i made a second character that was exactly like him like so i obviously like i have a hard time uh even <laughs> separating myself and, from that hell even my other druid and i did that for out, my started out just like him yeah and i did that for some of my characters i played for a longer time and their death was to blame on party members <laughs> um and definitely held a grudge and i will constantly bring up passive aggressive comments in that campaign to remind folks that my character died because of them um but especially if it was a dumb honest, mistake it's... like if it or like yeah. not even a dumb mistake but just like a what can be perceived as an out of character like if i know this character that you're playing your action was out of character and it caused mine to die. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. all right, let's go outside. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's and it's a tough thing. You you love your characters that you create. You do, and it's it's weird when they're no longer there. And but the great thing is, you can bring them back as a half construct druid, or you can bring back. Uh, in one of my campaigns, I ended up playing his childhood best friend. Oh. Um, and it it works to a degree and it's an interesting study in human nature to see how people handle the death of a character um i'd mentioned excitement i don't think that's an uncommon thing to get excited about building a new character oh, yeah, it's no. just a crappy circumstance of where it comes Absolutely. up yeah like yeah actually that probably is a really good like look into for oz's episode we actually did get pretty introspective into like what it goes so us getting to this point is actually not out of out of character for this can or for this uh, sh- show as far as the <laughs> last episode is, but like I that probably is a really interesting look into how someone deals with either like one's passing or a close one's passing, especially if you're the type of person mm-hmm. who gets really if this isn't so much as a game as it is like a role play or an an a um improvisation like more like say the theater kid side of it other than the you know rules lawyer side of it. Some like it, there can be like not that either way is right and either way is wrong, but it's more of just like there are just plenty of ways to play it, 
and uh, or the real estate kind of guy because so far my party's going in that direction. We're about to play Roller Coaster Tycoon <laughs> apparently. But uh, that's awesome. Which which that's I great. can't wait. But I've been having to come up with like real estate prices and. <laughs> but oh i've got a new idea of what i'm doing next there you time go. that's funny Magnate. it's funny you mentioned that i've done that with a warlock in the past so yeah like it's it's fun like i love making i i love making new characters clearly like it's that's kind of like why i do this but i'm still so attached because yeah. like i feel like everybody's first character is so close to themselves that if anything bad happens it's because you're a bad person. I don't know. Not really like that, but it, it can also just deal with like where you come from as a person, like your levels of anxiety. And when I made him, they were all time high, but like it, it's um, like, what was my point? I don't know, but that said it out, but it's, it's interesting to see someone who has played like even in the same, same campaign. Cause as like a completely different character because I'm sometimes afraid as a DM to hit my play my players a little too hard because since I help make their characters, I am mm-hmm. also their biggest fan. And even mm-hmm. though I know that it's the times where my, my personal character came close to death that makes him a better character, as in that's when he decides like, oh, yikes, like uh, uh, this here's some now some decision making and character building. It's mm-hmm. kind of like maybe how a parent wants their child to never suffer because they don't want to suffer through the same hardships that they did. I don't know. It's kind of a weird mm-hmm. paternalism thing, but <sighs> character death is something yeah, I, think... I haven't had to deal with yet as far as like in the um, interviewing process. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think when you're talking there, Cole, one thing that just makes me sticks out to me is, uh, you know, those moments, whether your character lives or dies, like, when it's close, when it feels like you might, like those are the moments I think that kind of like test your love for your character. I remember that mm-hmm. um, in Mike and I's first campaign in Telethala, and I was playing a monk named Ra, and uh, Mike, you were playing a dwarf warlock, right? Well, uh, became barbarian, barbarian. combo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and we we went up against our first big bad, and it was our first time ever doing that as players. Like, you know, we went to like some type of other realm we got in a fight with a a hag who you know has a lair and legendary actions and like like mike's character in order to like finally take this thing down tackles it down a hole and we don't see him for a while like but everybody felt like they were gonna die in that fight i'm like Mm -hmm. i'm like like i i like raw like i don't want him to die i won't have to do all this development again to fall in love in a different way with the character and like this personality and 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 the fun of being able to role play this way and uh and so like now i well i don't like those moments when i really like the character like i i look forward to them because that's kind of like that's a that's the litmus litmus test like if i care if this guy dies like i I clearly like playing him and hopefully it's entertaining for other people too absolutely like it's it's one of those things that i've started to factor it into any future characters would be what is how do they want to die and if do like for instance like like you said like as as a final act to tackle the big bad down a hole that's a bit poetic and if that's how they mm-hmm. feel like that they would die then it can be okay to let them go i think some of that player anger uh, or like that anxiety can come from the not yet factor the mm-hmm. either they got into over their head like 
me, the PC, or me, the player, got them in over their head. I, I shouldn't have agreed to come into this dungeon. It, they didn't know better. It was mm-hmm. me, even though you're the same. Yeah. Like, uh, you're piloting irresponsibly, and, like... Oh, yeah. It's... it's that's why I always take a low intellect character so I don't feel guilty. <laughs> and, yeah, that's, that's yeah. completely valid and probably better. Like, like for emotional, <laughs> like, s- stability. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point, too, Cole, because, you know, I think about yeah. as I've matured as a player that doesn't just, like, do stuff that instantly kills the party or, like, gets us in jail. Like, I, the first time I played in, in one of Mike's games, I played a Dragonborn Paladin, which I think is why I kind of wanted to return to this. But, like, in our first adventure outside of town, I jump. Uh, there's a large, rickety rope br- uh, bridge. And my decision is to jump on it with my horse and, like, get across it. And I had a very forgiving DM that didn't just kill my character and allowed my party to somehow save me. But by all rights, my character should have died. And I wouldn't have appreciated it at all until I, like, had that chance to grow a character that I really, like, Mm -hmm. liked playing and had developed and, like, felt attached to. Yeah, way before their time, if that's the case. Like, (laughs) and not just before their time, but because of a thing that might not have made too much sense. Like, <laughs> like uh, right. A non-heroic. Yeah. Way just like, a. this is, <laughs> Oh, his I'll first just adventure. jump my horse on the sweet bridge and, you know, what could go wrong? That won't kill yeah. me. I'm a paladin. I'm tough. The horse will be fine. This works in red dead all the time. Like, <laughs> uh, nope. Sorry. Oh yeah. But, that started a long, long history of uh, killing, ho- killing or losing track of horses for me. That's a common theme for all of my characters. <laughs> Just being irresponsible with them. <laughs> the worst part is I've tried to be responsible with them since then, and it just doesn't work out for me. <laughs> it's hard to keep up with your. Uh, uh, your animal companions in D and D, unless apparently, like you just go full tilt into them, like some people I know yeah. side eyes to previous episodes. But right. so I think honestly, like we've gotten to the deep part of the episode, we've gotten the lows, we've got the highs, we've got who they are, we've got their party composition. Yep. Yeah. What's the favorite thing they own? If they're materialistic, if they're not, we've already talked about experiences, so. I don't have a second question lined up. <laughs> uh, Burke's current favorite possession is a, a gift he very recently received. It's kind of spoilery, uh, but that's definitely what he loves the most in the world. So just kind of leave that at that. Aw. Maybe yeah. aw. Who knows if I know. Um <laughs> I'd say Lux is not very materialistic, and it probably comes up a little bit just about, like, he doesn't have a lot of materials to be attached to. I think just kind of his his armor that represents his order, um, and just kind of his duty, like, that's what makes him proud. It's not, it's not special armor or anything like that, but just that it allows him to protect others is it, something that makes tools of the trade special to him that's that was you predicted my follow-up question because as soon as you said materialistic i'm like what about <laughs> how does he take care of his armor if uh not really not really like a how does he take care of his armor if he doesn't care but more of a what condition is his armor in if it's good and taken care of then there you go you've already answered the question oh yeah yeah he's always he's always ready for duty and 
he's very much the I'll, I'll i'll catch up later i'll meet you at the bar i've got to polish my armor quick and and i think that's also telling like very telling of a character that maybe we don't think of immediately because it doesn't come up in gameplay all too often as, as like what condition mm-hmm. is your stuff in but i think it can like the second you think about it is almost like a root canal down to the bottom of like what makes your character or i mean or even if you care about that facet of your character in a sense in just like mm-hmm. armor condition what what allows them to get the job done or if the job is important to them and since it's it like his job is his most important thing it makes complete sense that you know as if you can see the hand gestures I'm making, like because <laughs> I realized that I stopped the sentence and just gestured towards the screen, and like it just makes complete sense that you know that is the thing he takes care care of the most. Oh yeah, it makes it very, I want to say humanizing, but he's not a human. That's not detracting, but it's because of the fact that we can't just say human as humanoiding, humanoidizing, humanoidizing. I think is the proper. There we go. That's yeah. that's. I will be using that from now on. I was working on that already as you were thinking it out loud, Cole. We're on the same page. See, I have this condition where I can't just keep all the thoughts in the inside, and I have to <laughs> workshop them as I'm speaking, and it doesn't come off very well. So I'm really glad that you all understand. Uh, <laughs> oh, perfect yeah. for D&D. I think it works well with what we do. Absolutely. It sure does. It, and at the, very le- at the very least, it helps me play the characters that just don't shut up. Um, but Right. <laughs> But fellas, that's good. Some the party needs talkers. So I think so too, because like as you're saying, like um, with the first few you know sessions with um, one of your party members, I don't know if we want to uh, point fingers or anything like that. Sometimes if a, you don't have a talker, be it because of lack of experience that they don't really know where the comfort level is, or um, maybe they just haven't figured out where they're at as a character yet, or really just anything it's kind of like any group discussion in like school like if you have like the teacher says so what did we think about this and nobody talks it's painfully awkward so someone has to speak up and sometimes you just got to fall on that sword and uh be the idiot for everybody else and if that becomes your character great like you now have figured out a character trait that hopefully is endearing um yeah, and if it's not endearing, you give them a very charming voice, um, and I think there you go. I think I think you've nailed. It. You know, I you said how I don't I don't remember if um, how exactly highly you regard your character voice, but I feel like that is it is spot on. It tells enough about the character. It doesn't feel like it doesn't fit. I literally haven't met Burke, and as soon as you spoke, I'm like, this is him. This makes sense. Well, thank and, you. I love and it. And like, it's it's spot on because like, it, not everybody needs to have the hello. I'm pretending like that's the that's the good voice, whatever. But like, I think how we present our characters can be very telling for either ourselves or how we play the character. And since you have chosen to play this guy who's like very like eager to please, one you've you've nailed the the cadence like i feel like oh yeah <laughs> like <laughs> well thanks i don't have the like the nuances to point out but i feel like you nailed it um as far as i believe that this character will do nothing he will not stop at anything to make these folks proud or he'll die <laughs> trying and it seems that he's already attempted uh, to do so 
<laughs> especially Lux. Especially Lux. Oh yeah, you know, I'd say for me as a player, as a as a person playing D and D, like I think my first impression of Burke was just like love. Like I'm like I'm like I didn't have to think about like okay how would my character react to this person? What type of relationship would they be? Like, do I have to pretend to like them and get along or not with it? Like, what makes sense for, like, the story I'm trying to tell and develop my character? I didn't have to do that at all. I'm like, I heard Burke talk. I'm like, I love this, and I can't wait to engage with this. And it just went from there, so. Now, as the player, how did you take that? Like, as far as, like, the, were you... For instance, one, did you workshop the voice at all? And then two, how well, like, did you sen- get a sense of pride, like, this this voice and being so well recepted? Or as far as getting the point across? Well, when I when I DM, I have, like, three different voices I can use, and I recycle them, and that's about <laughs> it. Same. Absolutely, it. yes. <laughs> and, I love it. And the, the Burke voice is one of those just at a little bit of a higher pitch. And <laughs> I, to be honest, I came home from work and I get home from work like 30 minutes before we start recording for the night and walking up the stairs, I was trying a couple different ones out, hit what I thought was an annoying kobold voice and just went into it in the first episode. Um, I told the guys maybe five minutes before we started recording that <laughs> I was going to do it. Um, so it was real off the cuff with it. And I got lucky that it was well received i i thought it was going to be annoying and grating and i was going to be asked to stop do it but i'm i'm thrilled that the other folks in the campaign enjoy it and i've had a couple people who've listened said they enjoyed the voice and it brought burke to life so it, it does add a layer of depth to it and it, it really does make me proud that something like that is has caught on I have to add, I firmly believe, like, if we ever get popular or famous someday, like, Burke will be a major part of that. Like, I think that <laughs> just, like, oh, he's the one that does a voice on our show, and it just nails. It's weird enough to have a kobold in the party. Like, everything about the dynamic is, is off, but, like, the way Mike delivers on it is just awesome and endearing, and... It, I think it invests people in it. I hope it invests people in it. So it's yeah. also the committing to it because it, that helps the most with a voice. Is if you're not too sure about it, it's hard to, you know, sell it. I guess. And when you're the DM, you can kind of play with that, and you're like, ah, oh, well, whatever. He doesn't sound like that anymore. But when it's like, what? Because you can easily try that voice again on a different character. But if this is your one right. shot. This is your first impression. You have to nail it. Character voices are fun. Screw it. Like, that's not really... That's kind of roundabout. But as far as I'm concerned, we're good with material. Um, I'll probably do like a... Like, actually, at this point, thank you guys so much for coming on. I really appreciate you telling me about uh, Lux and also Burke and how they're very natural feeling friendship. Like, (laughs) I... Again, I'm not even at this part in the show yet. I'm getting there. But, like... Just this, well, you. like, you're my first pair on the show, and, and like, yeah. you know what? I wasn't worried about it. Still not. Like, it's because dynamic duos are sometimes, like, party composition is one thing, but if you find one character that you just really mesh with, it's hard not to, it's hard to imagine one without the other. So I'm glad that you guys both brought your, I would say, individual characters, but yeah, 
our team. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun for us too. It really is. Like Mike and I usually are like uh, kind of the bantery friends in the party. Mm-hmm. It's I. It's new for me to like bond with Mike and be like, yeah, we're we're a squad now. Like we got each other's back. So which is cool because like we're friends like that in real life. So it's fun to be able to do that like naturally unforced as players with our characters D can be wish fulfillment but sometimes it's um more of wish affirmation uh in this sense yeah. mm-hmm. um so art imitates it, life it, yeah there you yep. go and some and maybe vice versa and uh so if mm. you guys want to plug something i don't know what you might want to plug i mean i can't hmm, anything off the yeah. top of my head i'm gonna open the well, floor for you guys well uh-huh. if you are interested in hearing more of burke and lux and seeing how we team up with the rest of our party um definitely check out uh proficient with skulls podcast it's on itunes podbean and google play and you can get all the updates on twitter at prof with skulls and mike does all the shameless promotion for you so there you go if our world excites (laughs) you um you know i'll give i'll give a preview into the future if you like the way we do in D &D and you need a world to do it in um telethala will be coming to life sometime in the future so give our uh, podcast a listen maybe fall in love um or may- hopefully fall in love with the world some way and uh stick around and that could be out there for you in the future mm-hmm. i know that i would act sometimes it's uh i'm i'm eager to see what comes of it because i would also I, I am in this category of person who wants to read more about the world but if you guys want to hear more from them, of course, follow them on uh, Twitter with at Proficient with Skulls, at Prof with Skulls, and I'm going to correct that in post. And, uh, but um, these guys, if if you would also like, I would I will also edit and post your individual Twitter handles, and we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but thank you guys for listening awesome. for this episode with Tell Me About Your Elf, and we'll see you in the next one. Thanks so much, Cole. No, thank you. Thanks, Cole.